well. I want to just highlight a couple, and I know they don't like to be highlighted, but we're going to do it anyways. It's in your bulletin, but this week on the 23rd, Joel and Ruth Ann Hall are celebrating 65 years. <laughs> 65 years. So us younger couples, you got any questions on how to do it? Ask them. Ask them. I'm sure you'll get really good answers like learn how to duck and things like that. <laughs> but, uh, amen. I just, I love this couple. They're just dear, dear friends of mine. And bless you. And we missed you, by the way. We really missed you. So, hallelujah. Hey, um, I got a, a few things. And we're just going to pray and see what the Lord has this morning. Um, we went to Harvest Crusade. Uh, over the weekend, we took the youth down and, and some adults, and um, it was just a good, it, it's going on tonight. If you're, you know, just kind of wild, you can jump in the car, uh, get there at, at uh, I'd encourage you to get there at 5, it starts at 7, but it'll be packed tonight, um, and uh, it was a great, great night of uh, ministry. The music was good, the worship was good. At the end of the, of the time, uh, Greg Laurie preaches a very simple, straightforward short message i should take lessons from him on how to preach even shorter but uh, you know in maybe 20 20 minutes 25 minutes and he preaches um just a powerful message and i i wish we did any of us get a picture of of the field the field was just totally full is it on your facebook or anything okay i don't know maybe you can get it up on a computer we'll show it. it'd be great um that's it but uh the whole field was just packed with people who gave their lives. Of the youth that went down, eight of our eight of our kids went down to rededicate their lives to Jesus on Friday night. Um, so it's it's our job to encourage each other and encourage the youth um, as they're making that step. You know what? It's really hard to be a Christian these days. Um, and and I remember as a, as a youth, it was hard to be a Christian when I was young. Um, I, I got saved in high school. I became one of those radicals. Um, I used to actually preach the gospel in the halls, um, in classrooms. I actually gave an altar. I gave two different altar calls in my classes. Um, I, I did a. I don't know how I got away with it back then. I did a comparative study between a couple of books of the Bible, and then I gave an altar call at the end of that one. Um, you know, and, and I was a radical, but I was I was persecuted. It was it was tough to be a Christian. Nothing like what's happening with these youth. Um, there's so much. Uh, coming up against them. So pray for them. Encourage them. Um, they, they made decisions over the weekend to, and, you know, just followed God more strongly and asked for prayer for recommitment. And, and so I want to encourage us to encourage them, love on them, look out for them um, as we do one another. And uh, I'm going to just segue in, into that. You know, we are having a baptism next um, Sunday after church. can't believe it's only a week away. My voice is really strained, so forgive me if I'm sounding funny. Um, but uh, the, the baptism is going to be after church on Sunday, and baptism is uh, a commandment, first of all. God, uh, Jesus told us to be baptized, told us to go and make disciples and baptize others. So baptism is very important. We'll, we'll cover this next week. encourage you to pick up the thing if you're interested in baptism. If you've never been baptized before, t- don't wait. Don't wait. If you've made a commitment to serve Jesus Christ, I encourage you to be baptized. For these young people that, that uh, are waiting f- to be dismissed, and Zach's going to go beat them up in the back room, beat them up with the word of God. And, um, but uh, I encourage you guys, if you've never been baptized, do this next week. We'll spend some time. You can talk with Jesse um, to understand what it is. But, but a big significance is that it's an outward uh, show of what has happened on the inside. It's an outward profession of the inward confession. Um, as we've put our faith in Christ Jesus, we go into baptism as a statement of saying, I am going to follow Jesus Christ all of my days. It's a symbol of dying to yourself when you go into the water. It's like the old man is dying and you're coming up in new life. I will say, you do not have to be uh, um, baptized in order to be saved, but if you are saved, you should be baptized, okay? Anyway, so um, we'll go over all that more for anyone who is interested on that t- table out there. There's a, a little, um, some pages. It's called Salvation and Baptism. Encourage you to go through it all. It talks about how we believe we're saved, why we're saved, and why we should be baptized. Get that, do that this week, and then we'll go over that together in a class next week at 8.45. So Sunday's going to be a long day. 
going to have extra snacks. Extra snacks. We'll come at 8.45 for baptism class, church at 9.30, and then after church, you know, we'll, we'll go over uh, in the afternoon. You, you can run home after church and get your stuff, but we'll go over to Whispering Pines and have a great day of celebration. If you have, wow, this is going to be really low today. It's fine. If you have uh, horseshoes and things, bring those. We'll have a great day. But by the way, does anyone live at Whispering Pines? Okay. All right. All right. Robert. That, that was obviously the, the, the missionaries from Mexico who were here just a few weeks ago. And, and the van made it. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. It's broken down on us on a couple of, of, our, of our trips uh, coming back from, from the airport from Guatemala and everything. And so we, I think we fixed all the bugs out of it. Excellent. Praise the Lord. Um, am I free? My mind is barely here this morning. It's been a, it was a very long week and a really long weekend. Am I forgetting anything? Looking around for... We good? <sighs> All right. We're in the book of First Peter. Yeah, let's close in prayer. <laughs> We're in the book of First Peter. Who's who's enjoying your personal study and the personal time in, in the first book of First Peter? Has anyone yeah, been reading it and getting anything out of it? A few people. I encourage you keep reading it. I've heard some some great comments of people who um, they're just really getting into the Word and slowing down the train and learning a little bit more. And and uh, this book is so full. We're going to cover a big section uh, today this morning. Uh, there is so much in this section. We're not going to go over a lot of the minutia in it. Um, the details, but we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about what the whole thing is saying. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2, which we covered a little bit of that last week. Um, but let's, let's pray. Ah, Heavenly Father, God, this morning, you know I'm, I'm weak this morning. God, I need your strength. God, I, pray, I ask that you would pour through me, Lord. I thank you for your spirit, which is alive and quickened in my soul. God, we pray that this, the word would be um, just full of life today, that you would encourage us, Father, the message that you have, we'd be challenged and encouraged, and that, God, that we would draw closer to you, that we would continue on our journeys of faith, uh, seeking you, drawing one step closer to you through our time in the Word and our time in fellowship and worship the whole time today. God, I pray that even as we later, when we close the service, that people won't just go home by themselves, Lord, but they might go and share a meal together and fellowship with one another, that the us as the body of Christ, Lord, will continue to be built up as we're going to learn about a little bit today in the Word. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we kind of have a uh, kind of a parenthesis where where Peter talks the beginning of, of chapter 2 and he says something. And we're going to go until um, another section break at, at through verse 12. And he kind of starts the same way he ends. And so we're going to go ahead and read this. Uh, during, during the time we read it, we're going to be quoting some Old Testament passages and scriptures about Jesus who would come to be the Messiah. Uh, and then we're going to break this down and, and learn about some of these uh, terms that we, what we uh, learn today, uh, that we read today. Verse 1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, that's us, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, 
precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, again, that's us. He is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It goes on, it says, they stumble, those who don't believe, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And then verse 11 says this, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. And this is a great passage. I'm excited about it. Um, when I was reading this, I just saw these wonderful things. He starts out at the beginning and the end and basically says, listen, we're supposed to avoid immorality. We're supposed to live a certain way. We're not supposed to be hypocrites. We're not supposed to be people who envy. We're not supposed to be people who do uh, wrong types of things. And those were all directed at, at other people. At the very end, he says, because of all of this that I just said which we're going to cover mostly today that we're a holy priesthood a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood we were called by God it says because of these things I beg you as sojourners the sojourner doesn't live there he, he moves around and that's us this is not our home so we could be called sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul and then he goes, he says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. This is just jam-packed with wonderful teaching for us today, that God is calling us, Peter's encouraging us to live such a godly life that others would see our good works. But we do good works, we abstain from sin, we do these things because of who he is and who he has made us to be, not because we have to obey the law. And we always have to keep putting the right thing in front, right? We don't want to get the cart before the horse. In this, in this situation, we live a holy life because God sent his son Jesus to die for us. God has a better plan for us than to live the way we used to live. And so in this passage, what we're, well, there's a lot of uh, teaching and reference to, to the Jewish forms of worship. Uh, again, as in the book of 1 Peter, Peter's writing to a group that's mixed. It's both Gentile believers and some Jews. But I believe, that because of a lot of the, the things he, he talks about, um, I think that there's a lot of Gentile believers in here in this mix. But they're familiar with the the worship and things that were happening at the temple. And that's why all these um, references, one, he's, he's quoting the Old Testament, but he's also talking about some things. And I want to go in, in verse 4. It says that, that we're coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, chosen by God and precious. And that says you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. You know, if, if you remember, if you've seen, you know, the, the movies about the Old Testament and, and just know anything about history, there's, every people group has made sacrifices. The Jews were, were no different. They sacrificed animals all the time. They, did, they, they sacrificed animals for joyous things and for sin offerings. And there was always sacrifices going on at the temple. And it was the priests who would make the sacrifices for the, the people of Israel. And so the priests were a very special, special group of people. The priests were, were come out of a, the, the line of Levi, which was one of the sons, uh, Jacob. Uh, and so they were the ones who were dedicated to be the priests and to be the religious people of the, of the land. In fact, the Levites never could inherit land themselves. Their portion was the Lord. And so in the temple, the high priest, all of the people who were offering the sacrifices, they were all part of the Levites. 
Um, the other things Levites did, they were, the, they were the, the police for the temple. They were all the ones who worked in the temple. And the very elect of those Levites got to be priests, and then they got to be the high priests. So they were the ones who were making these sacrifices. So Peter is making reference to them um, as saying, listen, you are being built up as a spiritual house, as a holy priesthood. That is unheard of. You know, you can't be a priest unless you're part of the family of Levi. Well, the same thing is, is we, we need to be hearing this, that we are not just a group of people and that there's priests that do the work of God. He says, we, the people, are being built up to be a royal priesthood. And, for, and I don't know about you, for me, whenever I hear the word priest, I think Catholic. I mean, that's, that's the mo for me, that's the, there, there's other, other uh, groups have what they call priests too, but for me, I think Episcopal, Episcopalians have priests, I believe too. Um, but I always think of, of, of the Catholic priests. So when we read this, it's really weird because we go, we're, we're priests? Yeah. If we understand what a priest is, the priest is the person who, who worships God, who stands before God, who does these, the services to God. And we are not supposed to be waiting for the, the priest or the pastor. Every once in a while we get people who've come in, if this is you, I don't mean to, to offend, but they call me father and they, call, they think I'm the priest. I'm not a priest, I'm a pastor. Um, but we are all priests. There's a difference. Uh, and so Peter is encouraging them. He says, listen, you are a holy priesthood. And you are supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Well, if you've read your Old Testament, you know that one time Saul was waiting for the, the priest to come to do the sacrifice, and he got anxious, and he did the sacrificing himself, and he was judged for it. Not even the king could step into the role of priest. It was very specific. Priests are priests. Nobody can do a sacrifice, offer a sacrifice that only the priest can. The priest has to do that. And for thousands of years, the Jews understood that. And, and because Israel is so, so close and was so prominent, even a lot of the Gentiles understood Jewish worship. And here Peter is trying to help them understand, you are priests. And that just has got to be freaking them out. And this is, and you are supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices. No. Everything we know would say no, but he's trying to change our, our, our dynamic and our thinking, our paradigm. We need a paradigm shift. Today we need the same shift. We, we come to church. And we look at the pastor, we look at the worship team, and they do all the ministry, and we think that that's, that's right, and we help to promote this sometimes. We as a people, I'm going to come down here, we are the priests. We offer spiritual sacrifices. You, 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 you offer a spiritual sacrifice and do the work of the priest. Now, one of my giftings, one of my personal giftings is, is pastoring. You know, I, I, I love people. And God has called me to shepherd people. A pastor doesn't have a name for shepherd. And it's one of the gifts, but there's a lot of gifts in the body. We have got gifts of hospitality and gifts of service. We have gifts of administration. Um, some people have gifts of miracles. They just, they just, things happen when they pray. Some people have gifts of faith. Uh, some people have uh, gifts of discernment. Um, there's others who have supernatural gifts of wisdom. These things just operate, and we're supposed to all be using our gifts uh, together. And, and, but we as a people are the priests. We as a people offer spiritual sacrifices. What does it say at the beginning? It says coming to him as to a living stone that's Jesus he's a living stone rejected indeed by men Jesus was obviously rejected he was chosen by God and he was precious and then in verse 5 it says you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house talked about this before many of us know this, but the word church comes from um, the word Ecclesia in Greek. And if you speak Spanish, that sounds a lot like the word for church in Spanish, which is Iglesia. It's the same word. 
And it's not a building. It's not a building. It's the people. It actually means the called out ones. The called out ones. And, and that's what the Christians are. We are called out from the world. We are the church. You know, I don't know how to do it. I would like to stop calling this building the church. I still do. I like, I like in Spanish, they actually, when they talk about going to church, they say we're going to temple. Now that sounds really weird in English. We're going to temple. But, but they don't say we're going to church. Do they, am I correct in that? I don't usually hear them say going to church. Some people might, but a lot of them say going to church or they say culto. Vamos al culto. <laughs> there we go. I got a nod from that one. We're going to like a meeting, a reunion, a meeting. But they understand that the church are the people. Remember the old thing? You know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door and see all the people. Here, here, but, but really what it is, is here is a building, and there might be a steeple, and inside, these are the church. It just doesn't rhyme very good, so we'll have to make up a new one. These are the church. We're the church, which is really great if we can begin to understand that, because if I go with Doris somewhere we're the church going somewhere together in fact we get in our cars and we drive up and meet the church at the building and then maybe you go to somebody's house and you meet with the church for a life group and sometimes those life groups meet at Wyatt's sacrilege Okay? So follow me here. If I am the last one to go to Wyatt's on a, on a Wednesday when the life groups are meeting there to be the church, I'm the last one. Guess where I'm going? To church. Because the church is waiting for me. My part of the church is coming. That part of the church is waiting for me at Wyatt's. Because we're the church. We're the church. We're a priesthood. Now, now we might go, okay, I can handle that. I'm part, I'm, I am part of the church, the church, okay. Okay, let's go to the next one. We're a priesthood. Holy moly. I mean, really, if we were really honest, if I said, who in here wants to be a priest? I'm sure you're all going to say, me first. <laughs> it scares us. We're like, whoa, no, I just want to be a Christian. You know, let's leave that priest stuff to other people. You can't. Because the Bible says we are being built into a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the point that is the, 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 making this possible. And the most important part, everything is because of Jesus Christ. I'm not a priest because I want to be a priest. I'm not a priest because it sounds like just fun and you know what. I'm a priest because Jesus Christ paid a price for my sin. And I became saved. My sins were forgiven. But when he did that, a, few, a number of things happened. A lot of things happened. One of the things happened is that in the temple, there was a curtain that separated the most holy place from all the regular people and only the high priest could go into the most holy place once a year and it was only the high priest not the other priest there's a lot of different types of priests only one once a year the high priest could enter in through that that curtain back to the holy of holies and he would go in there and and offer a sacrifice and and he would go on behalf of people and he would meet with god for for the people so the people couldn't meet with god People couldn't meet with God. They had to meet with a priest. See, I, I love believers in Jesus Christ, no matter what denomination they are. But some people attend a church or a, a religious thing that teaches Old Testament theology for New Testament living. They make you feel, some, some religions, some Christian religions, make you feel like you have to go to the priest to get to God. Or you have to go to Mary to get to God. It's very clear in the scriptures. It's very clear what happened. When Jesus died, it said this temple, which was really thick, 
about 30 feet tall, woven together, was torn in two, which is a feat that would be impossible um, on any natural stand. And it was ripped not from the bottom up. You know, if we got a couple of bodybuilders, we were in, in, in Huntington yesterday, and there was a big bodybuilder there. Um, and Ray Comfort, I don't know if you guys know Ray Comfort. He does ministry down there. I got to meet him and, and talk with him yesterday. But there, So he picked this big old bodybuilder to, to witness to and use him as an example of whether he was a sinner or not. And afterwards, Ray told me, he says, yeah, I was a little, little worried because this guy could just squish me. He was huge. And he said, anyways, I wish I would have had a picture. If we got a couple of those guys, if they tried to rip the curtain, would they start at the top or the bottom? Well, you can't, you can't fly. So they would rip it from the bottom. The curtain started ripping from the top to the bottom. And what, and what that symbolized, church, it's so important that we get this, is that there was no longer a separation to the most holy place. God's presence was no longer out of our reach. You don't need a priest to be in the presence of God. You, Jesus did the work. So when we go in to offer a spiritual sacrifice to God, which a spiritual sacrifice um, is, is our worship. Uh, Romans 12.1 says that we offer, us, offer yourselves as a spiritual sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. That's us and our worship. When we go in and give ourselves fully to God, we are now in the Holy of Holies, a place that only a priest can go. But you know why that's okay? Because you're a priest. See, we're priests. So that's the point. We get to go in. We get to go in. And, and sometimes I, when I say we, it's, I don't want you to think, yes, you types of p- pastors. No, 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 no. We as people, I'm going to come back with Doris. Doris loves me, so I, get to, yes. I can come back down Doris. <laughs> Doris gets to act as a priest uh, with other people. People come and say, will you pray for me? And she doesn't go, okay, let me call the priest and tell them to pray for you. No, she goes, great, let's pray right now. And she then acts as a priest and talks to God for you. And then she teaches you, you don't need her either. And she teaches you, just pray, just talk to God. You, you, you don't need some, but I'll teach you, I'll spend time with you and help you understand you're a priest. We're being built up into a spiritual house and that... that uh, um, God has a plan, and he's, he's building us into something amazing. Now, as it goes on here, everything is about Jesus. It's not about us. You know, I, you, always Jesus, always Jesus. The Scriptures goes on, and starting in 6, it says, Therefore, it's also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And then it says, but um, to you who believe, he is precious, but those who are disobedient, start, talks about those who've rejected the cornerstone. Well, what, what is this cornerstone? An ancient building. If you, you've seen architect, uh, even in the, in the 20th century, 19th century, 18th century, some buildings have a stone. It's, it's sometimes in the corner, not always. That's like a memorial stone. And it's right in the wall, and they call it a cornerstone. And it's really a memorial stone. That's not what a cornerstone was. It, it changed over years. So if you've thought, yeah, I've seen a cornerstone. I was at this old building, and there it was right there, and it says in memorial of this or whatever. A cornerstone was the first and principal stone of any building. And actually, in my studies, I found out it didn't even need to be in the corner. But this stone would set up the shape, the size, and the way the building would fit together. Without the cornerstone, the building would not even be erected the proper way. Everything was reliant on this stone, and from there they would cut all the other stones to fit into and to be built upon the cornerstone. You can't reject the cornerstone because the house wouldn't stand. Everything is dependent on this cornerstone. And it says that Jesus Christ is that chief cornerstone rejected by men. So he says, we don't, even though this whole place is dependent upon this stone that's going to give shape, it's going to tell us everything about the building that we need to to build the foundation, we're going to reject that and we're going to do it our way. You couldn't do that. 
In fact, I, I was reading an article um, where recent archaeologists ha- had determined that somebody had built up a building and some of the builders found a stone and they didn't realize that was the cornerstone and they didn't like that one so they moved it and they didn't use it and the building actually didn't last long they found archaeological writings and stuff and the building comes crashing down that it wasn't built correctly because they didn't start with the cornerstone Jesus is the chief cornerstone now what I what I see in the world you know, and, and I don't, I don't, I'm not believing this for, about us at all. But what I see in the world is there's a lot of people rejecting the chief cornerstone and building their own houses. We can't do that in our lives. And, and we're tempted all the time. The world presses in on us to, to just reject Jesus. Do it our own way. Because, as if verse 7 says, it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you. Now, this part, you got to think. You, we think we have racial tension today. I mean, come on. I'm not saying it's good. But in, in centuries past, Everyone hated everyone. The only reason you made an alliance was because it was profitable to you. You know, I mean, they could... There is... Do you guys remember Rwanda? Okay. Even they will admit, the people who live in Rwanda... Rwanda was a genocide. Over a million people were killed. Internal genocide between one Rwandan people group and another Rwandan people group. If that, if if you did not know for sure that one, that he, this person was part of the other people group, they would admit that there was no physical way to tell them apart. They actually looked the same. It wasn't like they were white and black, or even darker and lighter, or bigger noses, or anything. Physically, there was absolutely no difference. They were just part of two different groups. And a million were slaughtered in this genocide. It's always been happening. Forever. So to, to think that you might be part of a chosen race. You know, I mean, a lot of it, we're the chosen people. And we just, they went out and slaughtered everyone. Okay? Religions divided people like crazy. Even the Jew, we look at the history, we go, the Jewish people didn't like their neighbors. God told them to completely annihilate them all. Okay, this is, this is just so we can be thinkers in life. When we try to accuse the Muslims of, well, your Bible says to completely annihilate other people. Well, if you took the Old Testament out of context, you could read the same thing out of context. Right? It's just kind of true. So you got these people groups who, who did not want to mix with others and there was, re- there was reasons. And so now comes Peter who's, who's dealing with all these different races and he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. He says, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Lots of very, 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 very sad things have happened in the world and continue to happen in the world today. Racism is horrible. It's happening. I'm under the belief that all of us are prejudiced a little bit. There's just we, and if we, until we admit that, I, don't, I think we're going to have trouble because we were raised with certain bents. We were raised with certain beliefs. We were picked on, whatever it is. We all have a little bit of a, of a prejudice. That's what prejudice means, by the way. Prejudging. You just prejudge. It doesn't have to be that they're horrible people. It's just that you make a judgment about someone before you have any facts. Understanding that, I think we'd all say, yeah. 
we're, we're all a little pre- pre-Judas, prejudice. Are we working through it? I hope so. You know, I, I mean, all the time I do. Um, boy, I, there was a reason I, I, I want to come back. <sighs> Horrible things have happened because of these pre-Judases, prejudices in, in the world and, and continue to happen today. There are people groups who lost their countries. Israel didn't have their land for a long, 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 long time. And, and after the uh, uh, Germany, with all of the concentration camps, the UN helped Israel to get their nation back. They did it legally. That's a whole other topic. But they were a people without a, without a land. They weren't a people anymore. The Indians, the Native Americans in this land, yeah, I don't think we treated them very well when we got here. And that's why now we have reservations that are nations among the nations. And because they were, they were not a people anymore. And so the government tried to help them to become a people again. And, and because that was important. This is about becoming a people. It says, you were not a people who were not once not a people but are now the people of God. You belong to the family of God if you're a believer. You belong to a people group that you didn't belong to before. Many people come to Christ coming from a place where they just knew something was wrong and, and they didn't fit and something, and they come to Christ and God says to you, you weren't a person. You weren't part of a group of people you are now. You're part of the family of God. We belong to something so much bigger than us. We don't do our Christianity by ourselves. It says, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I don't know all of our stories, but I know that I needed mercy in my life. I did a lot of, lot of really bad and dumb and mean and crazy things before I came to be a Christian. And I needed mercy in my life. Even as a Christian, I'll, I'll be angry or mean or whatever it is, and I need to receive mercy from God. How about you? Have you received mercy from God? And, and I want to say that if, if you're going, I don't know if I have or not, you can know today. You can know that you've received mercy. There's enough mercy for you. You are part of a people group. Part of a holy nation. And, and you know, I say this, things like this a lot. I don't wake up in the mirror, wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, you're just a holy priest. You're amazing. You're just chosen. I mean, I look in the mirror and go, oh, how did my dad get in here? You know? <laughs> you know? We know our shortcomings. We don't like the way we look. We do all these things. And here Peter is saying, listen, you are chosen. And we go, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel chosen. I feel like God, you know, when I came to God, he looked over and says, oh, you want to come too? <sighs> okay. <laughs> he chose you. He loves you. He chose you. He wanted to give you mercy, bring you in to be part of a family, into a people. That's us. That's us. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in the building. And we need to Understand that He is what we build everything off of. We don't build off of rules and regulations and religiosity and anything else. Our lives are built on Jesus Christ. Like the old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope, our life is built on Him. Not on a building. Not on a, on a form, a denomination or anything else. It's built on Jesus. And we, we need to understand this, this word and this encouragement from Peter that says, and you are also being built as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. 
You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his own special people. So go out and live the way you want to live. It's all good and good and just be your own person now. And he says, no, I've, we've done this. I've called you out of darkness. I've put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've made you part of the family of God. You were a sojourner. You were lost. You needed mercy. You have mercy. And it says right here that we are his own special people that we may proclaim the praises of him. Who called us out of darkness? We are not supposed to keep silent be the silent majority. We are called to proclaim the praises of God and not just here. Not just here. And I'm not saying we're supposed to just necessarily sing. You know, I like to sing. I'm a musician and I love to sing. And I, love, I used to do worship on the streets of Hollywood all the time. I just grabbed my guitar out there and I just start singing for Jesus and traveled all around and did that. That's not what I'm necessarily saying, though. That's, that's really cool, too, to give God praise in a public place like that. But he says, we, he called us to give praise that we would proclaim the praises of him. When one of my kids does something really good, you know, and my kids are always doing really good stuff. I mean, I'm just a blessed man. Um, Zach, last year, he ran a 10K. He had never run a 5K, but he's just, you know Zach. He's just Zach. So he's so great. And he goes and he runs the 10K and he comes in second place. Right? That's pretty good. I mean, I'm proud of him. He's, he's, he's a good, he's a good, he's, and so when somebody does something good, you give them praise, right? You, you, you praise your kid. So this is what I did when he came back. He ran to the finish line. I went like this. He walked up to me. Kinda, so what are you doing? I says, well, I'm giving him praise on the inside. <laughs> My heart's really happy for him. My mind is really happy. I'm praising him on the inside. Some of you may have had a dad like that, that you did not find out until he was on his deathbed that he actually loved you. Kind of close to home. Or maybe your mom had to tell you. It's usually not the mom who does it. You don't know that your mom loves you. It's usually the dad, sadly. Man, let's, we need to make sure we love our, our kids and that they know it. Too many moms go up to their kids and say, you know your dad really does love you. He did not learn to give his children praise. Church, we are called to give God praise. That's what we talk about. You know, I mean, just now, I praised Zach for the 10K right in front of you. Now, did I worship him? I didn't worship him. But I talked about him, bragged about him, how, you know, he just, he just was amazing. Can you do that about God? Man, I, let me tell you about God. Last week, I was really depressed. And, and I just, I, I read the Bible and I prayed. And I, and I don't know what happened. Nothing, nothing changed in my life, but my, like my heart just got happy. God met me. That's praising God. Because you just told somebody of the good things that God did for you. We are called to proclaim the praises of God, not like this. They're outward. We actually talk about them. And the world is telling you, no, don't talk about them. It's okay to have your faith as long as you don't let it shine, let it show. You, you can have your opinion as long as you keep it in your church. Don't bring it out in public. Beloved, verse 11, I beg you. That is a, you know, how often do you actually say that to someone? I beg you. You know, that's, like, that's pretty humbling. I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It continues on, having your conduct. So we could say, I beg you to have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which 
they observe. The only way you can observe something is if you see it, and if you, in order to see it, it has to be happening outward where it can be seen. We're supposed to live such a good life that, that people see our good deeds. They observe that we've been changed. And even though they don't like you, because pe- there's just people who don't like you because you're a Christian. They, they won't like you. They'll want to accuse you. Nothing they accuse you of will stand up. There's just, nobody's going to believe it. And not only that, they will finally, obs- they will observe your good works and glorify God in the day of visitation. You ever have that when they finally says, you know, man, I, I've, I've, I've met a lot of people who've had a testimony like this. There was this guy, and he, he came up to me and says, you know, for the last 10 years, I have done nothing but try to get you to cuss. You know, that's why I've been so mean to you at work. I just wanted to see you cuss because you're a believer and you just said you were saved and I just wanted to see you cuss and lose it. And in all that time, you never did. Well, you know what happened? Somebody observed their good works and they glorified God because of it. We're supposed to live a life so that people can see a change and a life that says, you know, no matter what happened, you know, you weren't, you weren't perfect, but you always put your hope in God, whatever it is. You know, you were out there feeding the homeless. You were out there sharing your faith. You were, and they observe your life. That's what we need to be. Live a life because we understand who the chief cornerstone is. We build our personal life on the chief cornerstone on Jesus Christ. And we gather together with the rest of the royal priesthood often because doing it on your own is really hard. Don't try it. You know, don't do this alone, kids. We built our life on the chief cornerstone. We've been called out of the darkness. He's given us mercy. We're royal priests. We belong. We worship God. We sacrifice our praises to him. We bring spiritual sacrifices by giving our life, and we live that in public. The very worst thing, and I have shared this, but it's been a few years, we're very worst thing anybody ever said to me when I was was in high school or just right out of high school and I'd been saved for a couple years and I I was on fire but I also wanted to be liked by people so I kind of had this thing back and forth and there was a person who I'd known for quite a while and they said this is the very worst thing you ever said to me I didn't know you were a Christian the reason it was the worst thing is because I thought I was being a Christian but I realized I was embarrassed to be a Christian in front of them. And that's my whole life. Jesus is my whole life. You know, if somebody does, if somebody who's close to you hasn't figured out that you're a Christian yet, I don't want to step on your toes too bad, you're probably not doing it right. (laughs) If they're close to you. Now, I'm not talking about somebody you barely have connection with. Eventually, they're going to see it. They're going to come up to you and say, why are you so happy? Or why do you do, you, you, you just never seem to get flat, whatever it is. And then they're going to find out that you're a Christian. That's a great opportunity, church, to say, let me tell you the reason why. Please don't back off. Don't let the enemy back you off and say, you know, just God's, or, you know, my, I just have a good outlook on life. Give praise to God. You know what? Because God did something in my life and he made me different. Let's build our life on the chief cornerstone so that other people can see how we live, what we do, and glorify God on the day he visits us and, and help others to be built into the same spiritual house. Everyone we come in contact with, help them to draw one step closer to Jesus. That's what he wants. And, and, and it's going to be easier and easier as we walk this journey of faith together. We're going down the road. We do it with one another. Calling on God, relying on one another. Staying away from the things that pull us away from God. That's what it says right here. Just avoiding the, the, the entanglements, the sins, the filthy things we used to do. And serving Him. Let's pray. God, you know how 
much I've been even convicted this weekend as I was at the crusade and seeing Ray Comfort and Scotty out there sharing their faith and how long it's been since I've been out on the streets sharing my faith like that in that form. God, and Lord, I don't want to hide my light under a, under a bushel. I want my light to shine before men, God, and I want to build my whole life on you. God, I want to not just do my, my good works here in this, in this place, Big Bear Christian Center, for, with this congregation, Lord. I want to live my life in good works out in public so that other people can see too. And I pray that prayer for each of us. God, I thank you that we weren't a people, but now are a people. We were a people who didn't have mercy and grace, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can receive mercy and grace. I pray that each and every one of us this morning would build our life on the chief cornerstone, on that one truth who Jesus Christ is, that our entire life will be built from that and will give our our house purpose. It will give our, our life direction. God, and that we would be a people who know that we're saved, know that we're priests, know that we're a royal, a holy nation. And we will give you praise with our life. And that others will see and observe our lives, the good works, the closeness that we have with you, and they will glorify God as well. Strengthen us each and every new day. Draw us closer to you. Help us to know your presence in a, in a brand new way today. Lord, if there's anyone in here who's never asked you to forgive their sins, I pray that right now they would do that. They would say, God, I haven't lived my life the way you want me to. I've lied. I've stolen. I've committed adultery in my heart with other people. I'm a sinner. I don't line up. I don't stack up to being a good person. I need you to forgive my sin. They would do that right now and ask you to be their Lord. They just pray that prayer. God, forgive me my sin. Jesus Christ, be my Lord. And I want to follow you. That there would receive mercy as well this morning. Be with us as we leave here today and help us to love one another. Encourage one another and fellowship with one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're getting baptized, take one of the salvation and baptism sheets on the on the in the foyer. Eight forty-five next week. Give Joel and Ruth Ann a big hug for their sixty-fifth anniversary.